0: Oh, well, welcome to Zoom. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> I wish I wish I had some like horns or some sort of uh <laughs> like fanfare. pair <laughs> or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so the kids got really crazy outside of my window, so let me go ahead and close the window real quick and then we can get started. <laughs> Um, how are you? (laughs) I'm good.
1: Man, it's been a while.
0: Oh, yeah. How are
1: you? How are you handling all of this craziness?
0: Um, I'm handling as much as I can. Um, like I know we were chit-chatting earlier on Facebook, but I, I still have a job for the most part. Um. That's good. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, like, super worried about any income, but there has been a couple of, like, scares uh, with what hours or, like, how many days I would be allotted. Um, right. Because of the fact that, like, a lot of, like, we were approved for three weeks. And we were waiting around the three-week mark to see what else would happen. So it, it it's just a lot of, like, do I have a job? Do I not have a job? What will happen if I lose my job? Like, you know, it's just. Yeah. And so I, I've been doing the best I can. Um, but I'm. I'm acknowledging that I'm in a better position than a lot of people I know. So.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Same here.
0: Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? I know it's been a couple of weeks.
1: Um, I've been fine. I mean, I, you know, since I work for uh, corporate America, basically I'm, I'm fine. Um, I get to work from home um, and I have been for the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I've been slowly watching all of our friends go insane um <laughs> 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 yeah it's yeah it's hard it's hard to see uh everyone else that are you know doing the full-time musician thing um just struggle yeah so
0: no i've i've been feeling pretty bad seeing like a lot of my friends like you know scrounge around and figure out what they need to do i mean luckily enough i know some of them are some of them are doing like online lessons but right who knows how many how many like on lessons are being super are super effective you know what i mean
1: yeah like i know i know most people probably i i I would assume that half of losing half their students is probably a safe number to say like a lot of people have just been have lost at least that many but Mm -hmm. yeah so don't really know What's going to happen in this next year? It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, there's been a lot of, like, everything's supposed to be lifted by next week, but then there's a new extension, right? So.
3: Yeah. You know,
0: mm-hmm. Everything's a week-by-week case at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, do you want to get started?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay, sweet. All right. Welcome back to Don't Cast and Drive. Mm-hmm. This is your speaker host, Veronica Tyler-Christie, Most Times V. Uh, and here I have Brian Hsu, a really well known local guitarist uh, who mostly plays. Well, I've known you to play jazz, but he's uh, mm-hmm. also played with Super Soul Bros and as well as the group um, Alliance in downtown San Jose. How are you?
1: I'm doing well and yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, we're getting through it, right? It's, it's like deja vu. We already talked about how well we're doing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's funny because I thought we had already started the podcast at that point. So I was like, oh, okay. We're, <laughs> we're just like kind of flowing, but it's all good.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I'll get a little redundant. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all, no, it's, it's fine.
1: I, I haven't done many podcasts, so um, it's still new to me.
0: Yeah, it, it. I like to take this opportunity as just kind of like an unfiltered, you know, opportunity to say whatever you feel like is important. But yeah. also, I, I want to get to know your whole story. Um, mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, for those who are listening, I've known Brian since I, I was attending San Jose State. Um, I think you started maybe a couple years after I started.
1: I think I got in uh, 2013, I want to say
0: yeah that sounds about either
1: right. either end of 2012 or beginning of 2013 That's when I enrolled
0: yeah I yeah that makes about that makes that makes some sense yeah because I think I started around 2011 mm, okay so, yeah so it was a couple of years but yeah. Every time I've ever like run into you at school, it's always been like a very pleasant experience. <laughs> so, Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, I feel like, you know, every time if I were to like chat with you or shoot the shit, like you're just like a really good listener and you always had really good feedback. So really appreciate you. I really appreciate that about you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Um, so, I, yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh no, no. I, I, I was about to say I, I was um, just I've always been super shy so and um, kind of just introverted. So uh, I don't know if I, I, I I've definitely had my super awkward moments like meeting people and and I'm always like, oh, what if people hate me? And, you know, well, i am I'm glad at least you have a good experience. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's always been nice. <laughs> and we always catch each other like practicing late at night or like, yeah. you know, just kind of hanging around after concerts, mm-hmm. whether if it's like a jazz concert or like if you guys are happen to be around during like a wind ensemble concert. So mm-hmm. it's always been a good time. Awesome. So um, do you want to kind of talk into like why you got into music in the first place?
1: Oh, uh, sure. I mean, I could go way back. Yeah. Um, So I started playing violin when I was five. Um, It was something that my parents kind of made me do. Um, But as far as I uh, like, as far as my whole childhood is concerned, I've always been playing music. Um, I was involved in a lot of um, San Jose Symphony type things Mm -hmm. growing up. So I was in their string uh, ensemble. Um, For years, um, I was taking private lessons, and then I was doing that all up until um, the end of seventh grade, um, where when I found out all my friends were getting into these instruments like, you know, drums, and they were joining bands, and I kind of wanted to be in on that because I started listening to a lot of um, radio at the time, and I was listening to like 105.3, and stuff like that. So I was like, man, I really want to play this kind of music. I want to play like Blink 182, Sum forty One, Green Day. Um, I was really into like pop punk.
0: Ah, you were um, you're a punk rocker. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was definitely a punk rocker. Um and um you know even even when i first started violin i remember one of the first things that i ever did with it was actually sit it on my lap like a guitar and strum it so maybe it was just fate um that i decided to pick up guitar Mm -hmm. i i just figured that that'd be a instrument that since i played a stringed instrument already that i might um, be able to learn quickly and uh yeah so I asked to get a guitar, and uh, we went to Guitar Showcase, which is a, a local guitar show, or guitar store around here, and then I got you know, I got my first package, um, took some guitar lessons, didn't really like it. <laughs> um, you know, and I spent just most of my time learning songs and just really loving guitar. Um, violin was, on the other hand, was like very regimented for me growing up. So Mm -hmm. my parents were really good about making me practice 30 to 45 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I was 13, I was a little kind of burnt out on it and really wanted to do something else musically. So when I got guitar, I was teaching myself all the time. And it was just like an easier, I, I just really enjoyed Playing the instrument Um, and then yeah I got introduced I started joining bands in high school or in middle school and high school there's a uh, funny memory I have of um, on my birthday in middle school we did like a school uh, talent show I think it was like a rainy day talent show kind of a thing and then we were supposed to like play a couple tunes and I was actually singing so we had to I had to sing first date by Blink 182 and I forgot all the lyrics on stage and it was so embarrassing. And it was on my birthday. Oh. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah I've always had like this kind of funny stage fright thing. Um but anyways, um moving on I guess. Am I moving too fast? No. Nope. just talking at you? Oh, no,
0: you're going at a good pace. You're fine. No, oh, okay. I, if I need to ask questions, I'll ask questions right now. You're still talking about your prologue here.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm not used to talking about myself at this length, you know, so. Um, Would it
0: feel better if I ask you a question? <laughs>
1: uh, perhaps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, how did your, I, I want to hear more about the, um, the talent show and the um the, the your stage fright but just kind of backtracking how did your parents feel about you switching from such a elegant perce- a perce- like and I'm saying this perceptively like an elegant instrument to something that's considered kind of like a little bit more rough house or like rebel like um, oh
1: yeah I, th- I think they thought I'd give it up or something I don't know like it was always kind of more of a hobby i guess okay um yeah because there's a
0: lot of parents that i think of whenever they have their child do violin they expect to and this is just from experience from like my other friends like i i have a friend from who she went to uop and she studied violin for the longest time and switched to viola and stayed with um and stayed with piano um but Mm -hmm. i mean her parents didn't really have an issue with her like you know doing with anything else but I feel like there was always like such a long time, ta- like term commitment with any like instrument, such as a violin that, uh, that I was, I was curious to know if your parents had any opinion for you to switch over to guitar full time.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think they always thought it was more of a hobby kind of thing I and mean, maybe it would have been different if I was taking classical guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, electric guitar and rocking out is always kind of like a yeah, that's just pastime. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing.
0: Yeah. Did you have long hair for a while? I think I saw some old photos. Um,
1: I kind of had, I kind of had emo-ish like hair, or at least I tried to have emo-ish <laughs> hair. Um,
0: Got to fit the brand, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: That was kind of our scene growing up. Was like. The scene, scene, you know yeah. that kind of emo screamo thing that was pretty popular back then.
0: Yeah, let's add um, access to our names.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at that time, I was going through um, a lot of changes, so I was like taking Chinese school, and I quit that, and then I quit my classical violin lessons, and um, just a, and I just switched over to guitar and focused on school because i wasn't the best student i was getting like kind of crappy grades (laughs) and um i was just telling my mom i was like man i'm sick of this like (laughs) like my my whole week is filled up with stuff like it was five days a week of school and then on the weekends i was filling up my days with whatever classical violin thing i was doing and chinese school so it was like seven days a week kind of a thing
0: Yeah, you were probably feeling a little overloaded and needed like a new routine.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah.
0: Um. So you told me that you have stage fright, which is a thing I don't believe today. (laughs) (laughs) But we all go through it as musicians. So what was kind of like your your breaking point of kind of overcoming that?
1: Overcoming it, I I've never really. I didn't really over come it until much much later um when i was playing out regularly which is after i came back to san jose from la um but i i mean i guess i could speak up to the uh my history up to that point sure. as well just to get there yeah. um so yeah i i mean i played in bands throughout um throughout high school you know mostly rock bands i was i started to get into much more technical rock stuff um and metal because um, my friends started introducing me to like um eddie van halen and ozzy osborne which all had these like 80s um, guitar gods kind of uh thing going on and i i, I really wanted to be like that and um I was really into um, like eighties hair metal and shit like that, like butt rock.
2: <laughs> and
1: um, just cause like, I loved the fact that the, the guitar playing was always so flamboyant and interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was kind of going beyond the phase of just playing power chords and stuff. And I also had a really good teacher at the time. His name is James Riley. Um, he, used to teach at a school close by called musicians warehouse that I think closed down a couple of years ago, but he was pretty instrumental in showing me some really cool music. Um, like he, he started to get me into kind of fusion and more um, guitar players, guitar players type, type of music. Mm-hmm. So guys like Mike Stern, um, Steve Morris, Um, I mean, even bands like ACDC, and he introduced me to uh, like techniques like tapping and some shreddy stuff. Um, So it was through him and some of my friends I started to get into much more technical playing. And I think I've always been into that just because of my classical background. I remember when I was playing violin too, whenever I would do auditions, like I would try to get through the song as fast as I could,
2: mm-hmm. just
1: because I was like, yeah, if, if I play this super fast, it'll impress people and
2: <laughs> and I'll get, the, <laughs>
1: I'll get the audition, which is never the case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's never the case. So I remember playing like Flight of the Bumblebee and I was just like playing it super crazy fast and like, the audition people were like uh could you do that again but like half speed (laughs) but anyways (laughs) yeah so I was in a couple of bands in uh high school um and then after high school I started to go to CSU East Bay and then I kind of stopped doing music for a while I was separated from all my friends all of my high school friends went to like de anza and Mm -hmm. uh nearby community colleges and that's basically who i was playing music with so i felt really isolated um i started to do i didn't even major in music at at, uh -hmm. east bay i was taking biology
3: Mm -hmm.
1: but i took a couple um music classes there after about two years of taking ge's and stuff i was like man i'm really tired of this. I really just want to do music. And then um, one of my guitar heroes at the time, this guy named Paul Gilbert, I knew that he had gone to a music school in LA called Musicians Institute. And I was like, man, to be as good as this guy and all these new guys that I'm hearing, maybe I should go there. So I talked to my parents about it. And they're like, well, you can only go there if you get a scholarship. And I don't think okay. they expected me to get a scholarship, but I did. And they were probably like, <laughs> they're probably like, "Damn it!" <laughs> it's kind of an, ex- yeah, it's kind of a ex- more expensive school. So I I'm thankful that they did that send school. me. That.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it came in with the packet. Like I remember when I was a senior in high school um, mm-hmm. that when when I was doing honor bands and whatnot. That you know, when you're a junior and you're trying to decide what what school you're going to apply for. There was like Musicians Institute, there was Berkeley College of Music, there was the New School, there was like, you know, Manhattan School of Music, just like giving you all their promotional material. Right. So I remember Musicians Institute being part of the, the packet, but I didn't want to go there because I didn't really see much for brass, so I was aiming some other places.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's mostly like, uh, they just, I don't know if it's changed, but. It's all vocals, keyboards, bass, drums, and guitar for the most part. And then there's also a recording school and a luthier school where you can learn how to build your own instruments, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the kind of the appeal of it to me was it was a shorter program. It wasn't like a typical four-year college, even though they do have a four-year um, degree um, Most people went there for the AA, which was like a year and a half um, years of schooling. Mm -hmm. And it was like all year long. So um, even during the summer, like, you know, there was a summer quarter. And we had two weeks between each uh, quarter. Mm -hmm. So I went to MI and that was probably... I went to MI like... Knowing how to play, like I could play pretty well as far as like the stuff that I was into. I could improvise a little bit like blues and rock and maybe some funk. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And um, I was technically really good. Like I could play really fast. My technique was really clean. Um, I was kind of a rock shredder kind of thing Mm -hmm. or kind of guitar player. So I went to – Am I because at the time I was really getting into more session guitar players, um, like fusion jazz kind of guys. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple names I can think of. Um, There's these guitar players, Guthrie Govan, um, Tom Quayle, who are kind of on that flashy um, shredder side, but also could play beautifully over um, lots of complex chord changes and grooves Mm -hmm. and I was like really getting into that kind of music and I was like well if I if I want to do that I kind of have to go to a guitar school and kind of learn from people who do that so I went there and um, I went there without knowing like what a triad was I was like 20 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and basically came out of the school um knowing how to play uh very basic stuff over like giant steps so it's like a it's like a it's kind of a boot camp school where mm-hmm. they teach you all the fundamentals you need to know to be a session musician it's not necessarily like a jazz school it's more of a contemporary music school that gives you the the skills to make a living in like LA or a music city like that Mhm. Um so after that that was a great 2 years of my life. Um I loved being around like-minded guitar players and just musicians in general and everybody there kind of pushed me to my limits as far as like um you know practicing. Every all the students were just as inspiring as the teachers and it was just always a cool hang. Um and then, so when I came back, I came back to San Jose and then I didn't really know anybody and I got kind of depressed for a long time. Cause I was like, I really miss being around that musical environment, where right? I Just full of guitar players and, and people doing the same thing as me. And, um, my friend Camille Ramirez, whom I, she's a sax player, um, I don't know if you know her.
0: Um, I She's think from, I, she, I think I've seen her once at a jam session. It was a long time ago when Blackbird was still open.
1: Yeah. Um, her and her sister are from San Jose. So I, I happened to do a gig with her when I was going to school in LA um, for a wedding. And... Um, when i when i was in san jose she she just happened to text me like hey there's a jam session in town like we should go and i was like oh i don't know i'm not much of a jazz guy and she was like it'll be cool i'll be there we'll hang out and um you know you'll meet some of the people around here and i was like okay sure why not um my my girlfriend at the time uh encouraged me to go i was kind of like just in depressed mode and like not wanting to do stuff and she was like go go you should go and um so i went and um camille didn't show up she like ditched me
0: oh no <laughs> I, what a scam <laughs> right <laughs> I,
2: I,
1: yeah i i talked to her for the first time in years just the other day and i gave her shit about that it was pretty funny <laughs>
2: <laughs> and she was
1: like dude i forgot all about that i'm sorry i was like no it turned out fine because um, that's actually when i saw all of you guys um i don't know if you were there at this jam but
2: Which
0: jam session met,
1: was it? it was when oscar was still running the Headley jazz jam
0: um i've been this to- is
1: way back in the day yeah. yeah
0: i don't know if i met you there but i know i went to a couple of the ones at uh at- I, I I went to maybe a total of like two to three of those jam sessions.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. for sure.
0: Just to give you some yeah. some understanding of how involved I was with that.
1: <laughs> oh no, it's all good. Like I I didn't know anybody in the seat, so um, so that was the first jazz. That was the first jam session I've ever been to. Um, and I basically showed up and oscar Pangalinan was the leader and he was just shredding he's such a good sax player and i just saw all of these musicians around me like able to just sight read charts like uh i think danny gers was there i actually got to play a song with danny gers i'll tell you a little bit about my experience with that um and uh yeah i i just remember um being there and being like, Oh my God, like, I didn't know San Jose had so many great musicians. And then someone told me like, yeah, they all go to San Jose state. And I was like, then I gotta go there. So that's how I actually ended up at San Jose state was because I went to the jazz jam and saw all of you guys. And I was like, wow, like I need to, I need to be around players that will inspire me to get better again because I was kind of in a dark depressed place for a little bit after coming back from LA. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not I'm not like a go-getter kind of guy, so like I was kind of cynical and when I came back I was like I don't know anybody like is anybody here even good? Like I don't I don't even know. It was kind of like arrogant. Um
0: Yeah, it, it was arrogant but also you just didn't know where to go.
1: Yeah. I was a little Uh, I was definitely ignorant you know
0: yeah
1: and um yeah I I remember that first jam session like (laughs) um my like you know Danny Gers is a really tall guy right Mm -hmm. so I remember having to read a chart with him uh I think we played Nika's Dream or something like that and like he's such a tall dude and i was standing behind him and his bass neck was blocking my my line of vision the entire time (laughs) (laughs) i was struggling to play that tune like so hard because i was like i've never played this song before and (laughs) just trying to read it like oh my god this guy's bass. and you know danny when he plays he kind of grooves and he bobs and like no, he's just grooving like so the bass is the bass neck is just like moving up and down in front of my face and i'm just like i can't fucking see what i'm doing how you go on but yeah that was my first experience at the jazz gym i talked i think i talked to, ended up talking to Oscar. It's like hey do you know camille and we just kind of talked a little bit I, I don't remember too much about it but um i do know that that had a significant impact on me wanting to go to san jose state and then that's how I got to San Jose State.
0: <laughs> wow, that's an adventure. I didn't realize you had attended so many schools, like, right before. Because my impression whenever I see somebody new at San Jose State, like, I always assume, like, oh, they're coming straight from community college to here. Because mm-hmm. that—that's I was thinking of bias from my own experience. Like, I attended community college and I went straight to San Jose State. Like, it really shows how dynamic... You know, or how different everyone is before they, you know, settle for a place that they've, that they end up studying at.
1: Most definitely. And as far as like, you know, I, I could play and I think my physical ability to play fooled people to believe that I knew a lot more than I did. I just had a really good ear and my facility was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, you know, I didn't learn what a triad was until I was like 20. (laughs) And then like, I, I was kind of practicing my ass off to just keep up with everybody and, and, you know, be able to play over changes and stuff like that. So as far as like playing jazz, I wanted to, I'm, I didn't really, um, like listen to it. Mm-hmm. like ever until i got to state because i was just like well these people i should study jazz because that's where all these people are and i just want to learn more about music so i enrolled in the jazz program
0: yeah <clears throat> no, i was very happy to meet you um i i think i met you around the same time i met you and i think it was chris hayman
1: oh yeah me me and chris hayman uh I think we were, I think he was the first person I met. We met at orientation mm-hmm. and I think I was wearing a, um, a band shirt of this band called periphery, which is like this, like really progressive rock band, um, modern. They're super crazy. And uh Chris, was super into them too and that's just kind of how we met and became friends and i think we jammed a little bit too like shortly after we met just like some funk stuff it was like really fun
0: yeah um um so i think just from just that experience i think we were only in a combo together once was that right I can't, uh, I can't remember.
1: I can't th- remember. I do remember us being in a combo, though. Was yeah. That that was pretty early on, right?
0: Yeah, that was, like, really, really early on. I think it was maybe, like, the... This... I started auditioning for combos, I think, my my third year attending mm-hmm. as I State. And this was when I was, like, finishing up with all of my normal requirements for my BM. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I've done jazz for... I... And... I say this like with a grain of salt. Like I've done jazz for a really long time, but I just finally wanted to be in a combo setting. Like I've always done like big band, and it just comes with the nature of like being a bass trombonist. Mm-hmm. So I think it might have been like it was like you. I think it was like you, and like you know, correct me. It was like you, Danny, um, Alex Popoff. And- uh,
1: I don't. I don't think Alex was there yet.
0: You don't think Alex is there? Then maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. We haven't done it yet. <laughs> maybe.
1: I, I'm not sure. It's all, San Jose State's kind of a blur to me at this
0: point. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was really nice to have that flexibility be between two departments. I'll tell you that much because it, I was just always in love with jazz. And, like, that's why I always kind of gravitated towards everybody in the jazz department because it felt a little bit more closer to home than doing what I was actually doing, which was, like, mostly the classical studies.
1: Oh okay, I yeah. thought. Oh, so you so you uh, you have a degree in classical performance.
0: My my final degree was um, b- bachelor's in music edu- music education, but I did. Oh, okay. But I was pursuing at first a double emphasis. I was doing education and performance. Oh, gotcha! Yeah. Wow, yeah, I did a lot of shit.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs>
0: I didn't mean to, it was just like I wanted, I was in the mindset of I, I want to do everything.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like a, like most music people are like that
2: though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, that was awesome. And then tell me about kind of just your overall experience with uh, studying at San Jose State. Um, like, I mean, I know you met everybody, but now that you actually got into San Jose State and you started to get into jazz more and... Like, to me, I thought you were a phenomenal, like, soloist. And I remember, like, walking and running into you in the hallways and you say, no, I suck. I'm not that good. I'm like, are you crazy? Uh, <laughs> I, <get> so, <laughs> I would get so passionately ex- like, upset that you would say, no, I'm not that good. I'm like, can, can you please not?
1: <laughs> oh, well, I, I mean, I, I always appreciated it. Um, but it was definitely uh, difficult for me to to see because i mean i was coming into it as a i was trying to approach it as a student that didn't know anything about jazz and i truly wasn't because i um i didn't feel like i still don't feel like a jazz guitar player Mm -hmm. um but because i didn't I never really lived the music, you know, like I, I didn't really listen to a lot of it growing up and then I didn't start really listening to it until like even just halfway through college. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't really into the history or um, just kind of, you know, I think the tradition and history are very important to, to, to being a jazz player. Um, But I wasn't, particularly that into it (laughs)
2: um
1: i appreciated it and i appreciated what jazz could teach me
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um so i wanted to try to learn it the best i could and i just never felt like i was good at it because i was i guess i was coming from that angle of like well you know there are many people who've been studying the music for much longer and you know have much more theory chops than I do um and stuff like that so it it was a uh, that's I guess that's why I also practiced it so much like all the time I was just I was in a practice room blasting backing tracks just trying to play changes like all day every day mm-hmm. um but yeah, it was interesting. And, and like you said, uh, like you're, I, I guess the way that you would respond to me or if that is exactly what I meant for, I'm just like, I never felt like I was as good as people thought I was because, um, um, because I didn't live the music and- I think- and and my physical i felt like my physical ability to play chops fooled people into believing i was better than i was because i could you know i could i could definitely play through two five ones but for Mm -hmm. me i was like i'm not really genuinely playing the music or jazz you know i'm i'm just kind of doing things my way but i don't feel like a jazz player
0: i see i see and
1: And it was kind of funny because because I was I I don't want to call myself gifted like ever, but I guess I was physically able to get around really well. I guess better than most guitar players, Um, and to a degree, even some horn players. I I felt like it. um, People people thought I didn't need as much direction as I did need. Mm -hmm. So to this day, I'm still learning things about jazz that I wasn't necessarily like taught in school. And I'm trying to like pursue that knowledge to this day because people think I know a lot (laughs) about it, but I don't. (laughs) And I'm just people, because all people say to me is like, what are you talking about? You're good. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not what I need. I need, I need, I don't know what kind of feedback I need, <laughs> I, but I I need critical feedback, you know, to how yeah. I play, and I guess that comes from like there was I had I did have some teachers at MI that were a bit more of, more of hard asses. Um, mm-hmm. My first day at MI, um, I walked into a open counseling, and open counseling's are these really cool things that they had at MI, which were basically faculty um, teacher. Uh, open office times but their open office is in a practice room with gear mm-hmm. so basically it's a free private lesson if you just walk in you can go in and ask anything about music about business and stuff like that mm-hmm. so on my first day I, I walked into a practice room and um, one of my teachers wanted to jam on like autumn leaves or something like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I could sort of kind of um just ear my way through it because it's such a diatonic tune right it's mm-hmm. um and i just played over it and then afterwards the teacher stopped me his name is Dan Gilbert um one of the f- one of the best teachers there and he was just like you don't know what the fuck you're doing <laughs> oh, no. and and i was like well but i was coming at it from the angle of like yeah you're right i don't know what i'm doing and Maybe I was expecting a little bit more of that from San Jose State, but at the time I got to San Jose State, I had already been, um, I, I was a lot better than I was in uh, at MI, so I feel like my chameleon skills, my, my skills able to fool people into knowing what I was doing got better too, so people didn't really tell me how to do things.
0: <laughs> that's fair um well i mean you fooled me but still <laughs> till this day i i i'm always gonna tell you what you don't want to hear which is like i think you're really good <laughs>
1: oh thank you yeah <laughs> i know that's, a... that's all
0: counterproductive to what you want but <laughs> that's i guess just that's from my lens because i i'm not gonna lie i haven't been to a jam session in a while um so I'm yeah, me either. very, very, very rusty. And I, I feel like I've been doing more promotional work and support work for a seven street band than I have been playing. Um, but I mean, I can still play bass tromba, but like whenever anybody asks me to solo, I'm like, nah, I'm okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel that sometimes when people ask me to sit in at a jazz gig, I'm just like, Hmm, I don't know.
0: <laughs> um, so. Tell me a little bit about. So, I feel like just from your contrasting uh, environments from LA to San Jose, that you, it went from like kind of boot camp to now you're kind of gaining more sense of camaraderie around the people around you. So, mm-hmm. um, tell me about some bands that you got into on a regular basis, um, such as, like, we can start with the Alliance. Um, if you don't mind
1: talking about that. Yeah. I actually can't talk about the Alliance without talking about Super Soul first.
0: Okay. So talk about Super Soul um, first.
1: Yeah. So Super Soul was the way that that got started was, um, a high school friend of mine, his name is Luke. He used to be the basis for Super Soul. Um. He hit me up when I moved back and he was like, Hey man, I know you're looking to jam with some people. Do you want to um, hang out with me, um, my friend Lachlan and this guy named Robbie Benson and just play some funk music? And I was like, yeah, I'm super down. So we just, uh, we got together at my friend Lachlan's house in his bedroom and we just jammed like all day. And it was super fun. Um, It was great. I already knew the other two guys. I knew Luke and Lachlan, the drummer, um, because we just played in the same rock circles back in the day. But Robbie was a different animal and I met him and I was like, man, like you're super good. And he was like, yeah, you're super good too. And, (laughs) you know, we just had mutual interests in music. Um, At the time I was really into um, early yellow jackets and, Russell Ferrante, the piano player, actually happened to teach at MI. Um, So I just started talking to him about Yellow Jackets and some of the music I was into. And turns out Robbie was, you know, just super into that music as well. So we kind of got along on a different uh, musical level than everybody else, because we were kind of in into that old 70s funk fusion stuff that and we were like oh there's like no one around here that's actually really into that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um because Robbie's really into that old uh old funk fusion gospel-y stuff yeah um, more than anybody I know and um so from that we just it was just kind of a regular jam session where um instead of going to the weekly jazz jam session I would just go to Lachlan's house because you know, I, I don't like the, I I didn't like the pressure of being at a jazz jam session, potentially pissing off people. And, you know, I I didn't, I I always felt nervous and I got my, I had, I still had stage fright, you know, I would get really nervous. Mm -hmm. So being in a bedroom with friends and just playing music and being free to do that was super fun. And, um, Robbie, uh, basically called me up and asked if I wanted to do something for FANIME at uh, this burrito spot downtown called Iguanas. Mm -hmm. And he had been doing, he did that the year before. And, um, but it was mostly just him and Lachlan and like a couple of MCs and maybe a horn player or two. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: having me as the de facto guitar player that could learn all the heads and we could actually learn an entire set list, where Robbie's not the only, you know, main instrument playing melodies and stuff. And um, Lachlan and Luke were in that. You can find those uh, videos still on YouTube. Um, they're the live at Iggy's Super Soul Bros. recordings. <laughs> <laughs> Iggy's. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Live at Iggy's, and um, and that's kind of where. Um, the concept was, was already made by Robbie, but the band really came together when we started all playing together. And the, the band actually was, uh, we threw a bunch of, uh, names around. The band used to be called Super Soul Bros and the Son of Bits. Um, so there was like a, like an extra thing because we had, uh, um, featured a lot of guests there was like a lot of guys from the uh the iguana's open mic crew
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, i don't i don't know if you knew about that
0: uh i knew about it i knew about the uh open mic night like right mm-hmm. when it was like not falling apart just kind of not happening anymore
1: right so that entire crew is basically like the old alliance crew I had (laughs) and you know so Bernard came by I think once and and played on a few tunes and 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 stuff like that there's a guy named like Thunder Perfect Mind who was like a sax player Um, I never found Thunder
0: Perfect Mind
1: I don't I never learned what his real name is
0: you guys just Um, call him Thunder (laughs)
1: I don't know I've only met him once but that name always stuck out to me it was it was just like a ragtag group of people and uh yeah we did our first string of gigs like in a burrito shop for fanime, um like for I want to say five to like four or five hours a day for like three days straight Mm. (laughs) and that's that was our first set of recordings um and uh pretty soon after that we it became a more serious thing where we wanted to play a lot more and san pedro square was doing music in their back uh back area where you, you know it's like a it's a collective of bunch of restaurants and like vendors and they have like an open area where people can eat outside and listen to live music and So we did a show out there and that's when I met uh, Lionel Briana's of the Alliance. So that was the first time I ever met him. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: Lionel kind of learned all of the music by ear and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, he was just a super cool dude. Um, I think he was, he's, he's older than the rest of us. And he just uh, ended up asking me if I wanted to, play with his group um with steve kaku at the alliance if i if i wanted to sit in at 55 south so i came in and we we played at 55 south and it was like so cool it was just such an awesome band and the fact that everybody was like kind of asian american descent i was like super into it and playing this really hip groove music, kind of RH Factor and Robert Glasper influence stuff. Um and yeah, I just uh, that's how kind of the alliance got started too. I think they were already doing a few gigs without me. But I think um after I joined that became the lineup for a few years until uh School became made it increasingly difficult for me to be at fifty five from nine p.m. till two a.m. in the morning. <clears throat> so yeah, that's kind of how I met everybody in the Alliance. um And actually, a lot of the other gigs that I've gotten, I I've played with uh, this other band called No Water After Midnight, which is also through members of the Alliance, like Lionel and Ed Pasalo. Mm-hmm
0: yeah um, i almost I remember that group,
1: yeah, they're still doing some stuff, um,
0: yeah, I think they but, were doing a thing at Santana row for a second, I thought
1: mhm yeah um, so yeah, that's how i met met those guys, basically,
2: yeah.
0: okay, yeah, because i I remember <laughs> I feel more not not like I'm I'm not involved but I'm trying to find the rephrasing right I feel like I've seen more of the alliance just because um I was I would always run into Bernard at San Jose State and he would always say like oh yeah we do a thing on Sundays and on Sunday nights over at um what's that place called oh I even forgot about the bar's name the bar across the street from Paper Plain is called
1: uh 55
0: south yeah 55 south thank you I think you probably yeah. said it and I just it failed my mind uh yeah. oh no it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I remember going to 55 south and always having a good time because you guys would play all of like the old like 90s r&b like the shit that I would grow up on and it, that's where I yeah. fell in love with that group <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. And then I stopped going because you guys were popping so hard that it was hard to get into that bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the moment that I saw a line, I'm like, this is awesome, but I am not comfortable in this environment yeah. anymore.
1: <laughs> it's crazy how much of a fixture that band is for San Jose nightlife now. Yeah. That's no. kind of like the band.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys did it. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm just gonna appreciate from afar now, and if there's no <laughs> line, then I'll I'll show up. But yeah, like yeah. I had a lot of good moments. Like I remember it was like I think Robbie had his birthday there one year, mm-hmm. and uh also I remember I think Lionel might have had his birthday there too. Yeah,
1: Lionel Palooza. I think that's been a recurring thing.
0: Yeah. And I would just show up with like random like seven or seven street people or like anybody from San Jose state. And we would just like have a really good night. And it always felt having a good night like that was different. Cause it was always like, like I always knew people in the band like you and Bernard and Bennett, but it, mm-hmm. it was also like, it just felt like another place to hang outside of school where like, I recognized everybody from school being there.
1: Yeah. That was, that was kind of wild that that became such a, big hangout spot and it it was wild to me that more people would come like more of my friends would come to watch the alliance than they would come to watch Super Soul. (laughs) Which is kind of cool. Well I guess you know it's the bar bar thing. So yeah. People without anything to do on a Sunday night. Yeah, let's go check out the music. And that band is just so killer. Like the pocket and the groove is just so in there. Like everybody just has this um and it's it's different than the jazz thing. It's, I mean, they, they are very jazz influenced, and we approach a lot of the songs with a jazz improv, improvisatory way, but mm-hmm. it's like kind of the music's coming from a different place.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, so. So, Super Soul, um, mm-hmm. which is another band I found myself kind of hanging around to. <laughs> I just became yeah. the ultimate fangirl. I didn't mean it. <laughs>
2: oh
1: it's, it's all good
0: you guys touched on all the things i like it was like okay here's 90s and early 2000s music over here and now mm-hmm. there's gamer music that i didn't realize that game music can even get to that like i was so so thrilled to see that people were creating bands in, in tribute to old video games and you guys were kind of like my first exposure to that. So, can you tell me how you kind of got more into Super Soul Bros and also <clears throat> talk about some of the traveling that you guys have done?
1: Yeah, sure. Um well, before even before Super Soul Bros, I was always into video game music. Um when I was like 18 or 17, I actually recorded a my own cover of the boss battle theme from Final Fantasy 7 mm-hmm. and that was actually kind of popular. Like it, like at one point, I think I had over a quarter million views on it and it it was just like a shitty recording. It was awful. Like the quality of the recording is really bad, but you know, I, I really wanted to actually make a metal group to do uh, that kind of music. Mm -hmm. um, But I never could find people to do it with me Mm -hmm. or, and, and, The place i was at at the time i started to get more into like you know funk and fusion and jazz and stuff so my interests were going elsewhere and then that's when i met robbie um and yeah like um man that that band took a little bit of time to really um you know start getting places um but it was, we, we used to be one of the hardest working bands out there. We, yeah. we played a lot, um, did a lot of recordings, and um, we went through a lot of band members. Um, uh, yeah, I remember that drummers. you guys,
0: I remember that you guys had Anthony Franceschi for a while, and mm-hmm. you had Madison Bohr on the saxophone for a 2nd Um uh, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember the first day Chris or the first gig that Christian did. Like, yeah. And then for a while, I know that you said that you had your friend on bass, but I haven't seen a bass player for a while.
1: Yeah. We actually also had Fred Packelbon play bass for a short minute with us. Oh, that's Um, right. Fred. Yeah. What it really came to. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, man, that's another band I should talk about is the bad ones, but um, we'll get to that later maybe. Yeah. But, um, Basically what it, what it really came down to were um, since we wanted to do a lot more stuff was finding people that would actually take time and energy out of their lives to make it a more serious project. Um, And I think, I think when you get into the jazz world a lot of people are very used to the the freelance mentality so in which is i I don't know it's a it's different than being in a band band you know we wanted to find people that would help drive the band to success um working on things on their own time and treat the project like it was their own project
0: right yeah i there is there is the difference between um there are musicians who are kind of spread so thin that they they have trouble kind of finding the commitment with one person like oh this is a favor here this is a gig here it's it's all about it, there's there's a sense of individualism with musicians mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. that's not a ter- that's not a bad thing but it can be hard to kind of drive a, a whole vessel if there's not enough commitment
1: right um, and so we just happened to find um, everybody that came into the group were people that um, that eventually became, you know, the 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 foundation of the group, um, which is Chris, Christian, um, Bill Smolik, and mm-hmm. Alex. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all had like this different sort of um uh i think they approached it a little bit differently where it wasn't just gigs it was like they were really into it and wanted to be the band they wanted to be the band um rather than oh it's cool i'm playing in a band that this is this is something that i do once in a while to and I, we do a couple of cool gigs here and there for money mm-hmm. um so so that's how uh, everybody kind of came in. Um, I kind of don't know where I'm going with this anymore. But <laughs> that's
0: okay, I just wanted you to kind of go with your experience with being in that band. Um, yeah, because it went from this is this is my my lens through it is that you guys went from doing fanime to like kind of beating around the bush with fanime, meaning that like you weren't directly affiliated with fanime. Uh, right. But you would do gigs like at Iguanas, at Cafe Stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Robbie would like run around for anime doing like a video series. Um, yeah. And then it went from doing, being something like unaffiliated to a convention, but doing stuff with it, like on the side of a convention to like being at, uh, at the, being, going to PAX and then also going to MAGFest. And so like, yeah. it's kind of going into like, Keeping a commitment. So I guess if we're going with the same theme that you're going with is, how can keeping a commitment can take you to all these different places and make a an ensemble grow to it? What I'm not saying your fullest potential, but to mm-hmm. uh, to get to a certain bar.
1: Yeah. Um, so that that kind of networking was definitely more Robbie's doing. Um, he did a lot of that kind of work, but um i did a lot of the um <clears throat> the stuff on the other end which was uh, you know getting our recordings together and and getting all the band members together and drive and basically making people do things
2: mm-hmm.
1: or trying to <clears throat> and um you know having one person be the leader is tough you you also kind of need a uh, more spiritual, maybe inspirational leader to help drive people to do things and come up with cool projects and ideas and just funny things. And luckily, you know, both me and Robbie um, were doing that all the time. So on on the other side, I was working on a lot of the recordings for the band, which Mm -hmm. um, uh, we were just kind of focused i i was on the i was focused on content creation like i really wanted to just create more recordings and content and videos and whatnot and um <clears throat> we also did we also were one of the first bands to stream on twitch and that was like maybe 2015 2016 we started doing that and that got us quite a bit of visibility too um so i don't know it was just a combination of like we we were working really hard Mm -hmm. to just we were playing all the time like our streams were like two times a week for six hours like five to six hours (laughs) (laughs) like a night um which was pretty brutal
0: yeah. I remember you guys did your, uh, your marathon stream. That was brutal.
1: Oh yeah. That was crazy.
0: <laughs> I remember checking in and out mm-hmm. for that. And like, at some point, I think it was either you or Christian Monzana said, uh, I'm taking a nap.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I actually had to, uh, I was working at the time, I think, or I was doing something at the time and I actually had to leave. So that probably wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just like combination of everybody's hard work um, and the willingness to do that kind of thing. Even, I, I hate saying it, but a lot of the times we probably, you know, we were we were all personally taking losses as far as like, you know, we would stream on Friday nights, but that's a big gig night, so we would stream instead. And we were making those kind of sacrifices, but I mean we we all liked playing with each other. It was still a fun thing to do because it was just like weird, fun jams, and then we were just being personalities and just being super weird,
2: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: and fun. Um, <clears> though <throat> so for for me, at a certain point, it got i I got to a point of like really heavy burnout. Um, cause I was, um, I got a, I got, I got some really heavy burnout. So I kind of left for a long time. <clears throat> and so at, at this point, I don't really know what else is going on with the band.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. No, it's okay. Yeah. I just figured like it was a good highlight to point out, um, because, um that's something that's just an ensemble that i feel like i i i often would go out of my way to see your guys' gigs um mm-hmm. especially if they were in san jose um and i've noticed a lot of like growth like from from the live shows to like the albums that you guys have recorded i think the most recent one was like mother load yeah um, and hearing like you know from from only letting to like Christian Manzana rap on some of the, the songs to like having Megaran on your guys, Oh yeah. Is like a, a big deal to me because Megaran basically like to my, to me he's like the nerdcore like king of, of the nation.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we've always had kind of an affiliation with him. Like Robbie would, uh, I don't want to say annoy Megaran, but he would always be constantly emailing him, like, "Hey, let's do something <laughs> together. Hey, you at Pax? Let's hang out. Let's let's jam. Let's do all this stuff." And I I, I don't know what Megaran's whole thing, uh, whole response or attitude towards us is. I, I'm sure it's kind of like, "Oh, these guys again." Like, but now he's 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 no. always been really cool. He's always been really cool and down to just jam with us.
0: <laughs> No, he's a good guy. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, he's a cool dude. I, I don't really, I haven't really talked to him all that much, but he seems like a really cool guy.
0: <laughs> um, and then you recently started working for um a gaming company. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Is that something worth talking about?
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So after I graduated San Jose State in 2016, um, so, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. So, we were um, talking about all the kind of gigs and connections I was making out of that just that small group of people, like Lionel and stuff. And so, like, I ended up playing a show at uh, Yoshi's in Oakland with uh, Lionel and I think it was Jonah. Jo- Jonah and Lionel had this other project called Left University. I didn't, I never I don't know what happened to that, but. Um, anyways, we, we played, we played a gig at Yoshi's and in the, in the, uh, opening band, um, Tracy Cruz, that was Tracy Cruz's band, Mm -hmm. uh, who's a great singer as well. Um, and she had this band that featured, um, uh, I want to say Sam Schwartz, which is Who's uh, who worked at Ubisoft at the time. He's a killer guitar player, um, brother of Isaac Schwartz, who is a great drummer in the East Bay. Um, and then this uh, f- phenomenal young piano player named Matt Wong. Um, yeah, she had this like just super band. And me and uh, Sam, it's always just like one of these things where I'm sure it's the same as for trombone players, where like you just see another guitar player in the wild that's really good, and you're like, "Hey, instant friends!"
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: right. And I think that's just kind of um, so. Me, me, and Sam kind of uh, just were friends off the bat, and just super cool with each other. And this was during this was right before my last semester of um, of college. And so um, we played that show, kind of went our own ways. Um, and then right about when uh, the last month of school, when I was ramping up to do my double jury with Chris Heyman, he just hit me up. Sam hit me up out of nowhere because I had recently posted a video of myself um, uh, playing a solo over a chemical plant. At, at a poorhouse bistro and that see that video kind of went the rounds on facebook um like thomas pridgen shared it at one point and i was like wow that's crazy um and sam saw it and he was a note tracker at ubisoft and and they just happened to be hiring i guess and he hit me up um after he saw that he was like dude this re- this video reminded me that you exist like (laughs) like dude you want to work at Ubisoft and I was like uh yeah let me um can we talk in a bit like I'm super busy with school stuff right now and like it's it's hard for me to give an answer when I'm trying to memorize like 10 songs Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um for and study for all my finals and he was like yeah sure and then like almost every week he would bother me and be like, yo, I need an answer. Like you should apply. (laughs) And so like, so I just ended up applying um, um, amidst uh, amidst all of that. And I just, right after I graduated the following January 4th, I just started working at Ubisoft. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's crazy what you know, you know, that's, and that's what networking does for you. It just like, you just get all these cool opportunities that you didn't think would happen. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. And, um, yeah, I've been working there ever since, doing a lot of transcription work for them, uh, for Rocksmith. Um, and I've always liked transcribing. So it just turns out it was a really easy, like, job for me personally because mm-hmm. – I mean, as, as a jazz musician, we're doing it all the time, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> um, it's weird I'm calling myself a jazz musician after saying that I felt uncomfortable with the term. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, I've always been into video games growing up and wanted to – I always felt like if I could work in the video game industry, it would be really cool. I just didn't know it would be in this capacity. Like, and it would be a combination of music and uh, being in the video game industry.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Definitely thankful for it right now, especially with all this coronavirus stuff going on. It's like, it's actually really nice that I can be a musician and work from home and have a steady income. Yeah. Um, right now,
2: so.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a rare gem in the music industry all in itself is finding like, you know, consistent work that you can kind of rely on. Yeah. Um, yeah, because this whole virus thing really has a lot of people messed up for those who do full-time work, um, it, who do full-time like work as in like going to different gigs to make their make
1: their meet. Yeah. Their... The, the gig economy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, let's see. Is there anything else that you would like to share, um, before we get into some closing notes?
2: Oh
1: uh, man. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's most of my story. Um, I, I, I do want to mention some other bands that I've been a part of that meant a lot to me. And, uh, I was in a band with uh Oscar Pangalinan, uh
0: oh, yes. Amy
1: Tabalos and Fred yes. and Christian.
0: Yes, please um, and, go into that.
1: And Anthony Franceschi um called the bad ones. And really that was the perfect mix of I guess how I heard myself as a musician. It was like it was kind of a blend of uh, modern jazz um pocket music, um some r&b soul, neo soul kind of thing. Um <clears throat> and you know it was it was really different than the stuff we were doing at Super Soul, which was basically most of the time was just really loud and just super high energy. And sometimes I was just like kind of wishing for a bit more of um you know, more organic, dynamic uh, ups and downs. But that band is like a party band. So yeah, it's just, well, once it gets going, it's just like a, a, a freight train. It just doesn't stop. Um, and the Bad Ones was like really cool because it was all of my college friends and we were playing challenging music that was like really accessible at the same time. So it was like jazz. I got to play pocket, but also play over these crazy chord changes that Bennett would write. Bennett writes all these like in in the bad ones, he would write um, these really long form or long solo forms that were like really odd uh, number of bars and, and just really strange backdoor chord progressions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. but i was super into it it was really challenging um and i love all of those musicians um you know gotta give all those guys a shout um anthony franceschi's like such a great drummer he doesn't know it but he is um fred Paclabon is just like probably the most soulful bass player you'll ever meet he just has like this thing man like he's so good um and then of course Oscar and Amy who are uh o- Oscar is such a great sax player who's been really inspiring to me especially in terms of like uh leading a band like
2: mm-hmm.
1: man that guy knows how to lead a band and he knows how to be a leader um Amy Debalos is such a creative vision like everything that she writes is just like so on point point. and then of course Bennett he's just like the the thing I like about him is he's also all of those things. And then he's also one of the most enthusiastic musicians you'll ever meet. He's like almost down for anything. <laughs> he's he's so cool. Um, so yeah, that was a really special band to me, um, which we actually did a one album during my first year of work. And I was juggling like super soul and the bad ones and working full time all at the same time. That was probably the busiest year of my life um and um i had just gotten out of a relationship so all of these things together were kind of keeping me sane and so my musical output was like kind of crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah that that band was uh really cool um i really love being a part of that and then currently (laughs) i'm working in a band with uh this rock band this prog rock band called uh, raise the maze which um comprises of a lot of musicians from the east bay which i've actually never really uh, had my foot in that door before until now um but colin hogan plays keys um
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: maria dickinson um she's a great vocalist she sings with like jazz mafia all the time uh Tarek, her partner, is a great bass player. And then um, Terry, and then world-class bassoonist Paul Hansen,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> which
1: was pretty wild. So, Sounds
0: like a heavyweight group.
1: That is a heavyweight group. And that, that is one of the um, – I don't want to say that all the other bands don't have amazing musicians, but that was probably one of the first situations where I heavily fell out of my league like mm-hmm. as far as the people around me I'm just like whereas everybody else in the other bands I'm like yeah we're more or less equals you know like mm-hmm. I, I respect everybody equally and we can all kind of we all bring something really good to the table but for this band I'm just like oh my god I need to be on point or else I'll get fired like <laughs> mm-hmm. all the time <laughs> Um but luckily everybody's super nice and chill but yeah, whenever I have to do something for that band, I the pressure's on. Mhm. But yeah. yeah, that's that's about all the musical projects I do that I wanted to mention and yeah. shout out.
0: Yeah, no, you you've been a very 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 busy boy. <laughs> but it's all it's mostly like like the bad ones. I haven't like when you guys came out with that and you guys had your like album release party and all that stuff like um, you still I would still see you perform with like Oscar every so often and like Amy's still working on her project so like everyone's so busy so I'm like really glad that everyone is still so active um, yeah with doing their music like
2: mm-hmm. it,
0: it's awesome like this this whole like San Jose like instrumentalist scene is so closely knit and it's really nice to see that everyone's everybody still collaborates or inter- interacts with each other you know
1: it really is I, I definitely feel a um, feel nudged to be more of an artist as well on my end so I've been writing a lot um, and just practicing writing and composing parts for whenever this coronavirus crap is all over
3: mm-hmm.
1: like I, I just want to have some music and get together with people and play my music because I've been playing other people's music for so long.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been the, the strong supporter and now you're like, it's my time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I really want to try to, try to, I, I really want something that I can call my own. Not that I didn't do that with the other groups too, but mm-hmm. you know, something with my own fingerprints.
0: Yeah. That's true. Uh, Brian. Christian has
1: been a big inspiration on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Christian, I, who I previously, interviewed, he's. He's been throwing out his stuff a little bit more out there too. And he's, he's just as shy. Like <laughs> It's so crazy how you guys have so much talent you guys are so shy. And I, I'm really excited to see that you guys are blossoming me out more.
1: I'm, I'm trying to get more, um, more Christian attitude in my life. Cause that guy, even though he's shy, he like does it. So, and, yeah. but my problem is I'm shy and I don't do things so I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to be more on his level you'll get that. and i really i keep i keep telling him that too and he yeah he just goes oh
0: shucks
2: <laughs>
0: it
1: gets really and then it gets really awkward between us
0: <laughs> there's a lot of love going on it's okay <laughs> <laughs> lots of love and appreciation that's what we all need yeah. um how can people follow you um or find your content
1: um currently i'm not on very many platforms and i don't have very many um original things going on but um you can check out all the band camps for my bands um uh super soul bros at Bandcamp, uh raise the maze at band camp um, i think the bad ones still have cds on cd baby mm-hmm. um i don't think they're on spotify though um, but everybody else's, um, and then on the social media front, um, I do have a YouTube page that I just post random videos of various solos or live performances that I do. And then also my Instagram page, which is, uh, brain, B-R-A-I-N underscore, uh, underscore shoes <laughs> spelled like a real shoe. S-H-O-E-S.
0: All right. So, yeah. So brain underscore shoes. But yeah. His name is Brian Shoe. <laughs> that's not <Yeah>. like shoes. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm not that creative.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. I think for the most part of college, I called you Shoe. Like, I think that's what everyone called you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Even at work, that was like the first thing people would call me because we have. At Ubisoft, there was like, when I first got there, we had like seven Bryans or something like that. So defaulted to the last name. <laughs> I, I'm used to it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank uh,
1: you for talking to me and thinking I'm interesting enough to
2: talk to.
0: Oh, dude, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> <laughs> dude, we're friends. <laughs> like I said, you're always good to talk to and you always have like meaningful things to say. So like, again, thank you for even taking the time. We're just going to oh, put a bucket of fun. thankful and graciousness on top of each other. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining me on Don't Cast and Drive. Again, I'm your host, Sometimes V, and this is uh, Brian Shu. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week later